And today I have an extra, extra special guest. It's my girlfriend, Jennifer Arnis. Jennifer is an author. She's a mother. She is a healer. She speaks on one of my favorite topics, which is um, toxicity, especially childhood toxicity. And for those of you that are listening and you want to see her beautiful face or my beautiful face, you can also watch this. Go to blendedinblack.com slash podcast to actually watch us do this because this is one of the combo audio video joints. I kind of like to do them, you know, whenever I feel like putting on hair and makeup. So, hey, Jennifer. Hi, boo. How are you? Girl, it is so good to have you. You know, I've been waiting to have you. (laughs) That first Facebook Live that we did had so many people emailing, DMing me, like, who in the hell is that woman? What's your pretty self? Girl, you're so beautiful. Oh, my God. Shut up. You know, I just, you know, you a bad bitch. She's so crazy. <laughs> You're so crazy. I didn't. Um, I'll read your bio later, and I'm gonna put it in the blog for them because I kind of want to just jump into it. One of the things mm-hmm. that compels me about you is how forthcoming you are with your own life experiences. Oh, and yeah. part of my subject, or most of my subject matter, really relates to the family. How our families shape us into who we are. And I love how transparent you are about talking about your experience and how your relationship, mainly with your mother, shaped you and some of the things that you experienced and some of the things that you had to to overcome. Now, from what I found in my own personal experiences, working with black clients, white clients, um, I see that if a woman is toxic, her ass is toxic. And that's a disease. And she's gonna spread it to that man, that child, that the co-parent, the step-parent, whomever, whatever new man she's with. And so I do like to focus on toxic motherhood, period. I want to focus on the toxicity that uh, exists amongst mothers. And how do we recognize it? How do you know? How do you know if you were raised by a toxic mother? I'm not even going to get into how she herself, a toxic mother, would admit that. How would you know if you came up in a toxic environment? Um, I think some of the indicators that you grew up and you had a toxic mother are you have an issue setting healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. Um, You put other people's needs before your own. You're a people pleaser. You feel like you have to work to earn people's love. And um, like Brene Brown says, you hustle for your worthiness. Um, Mm -hmm. You have issues with shame. Um, and you second guess yourself a lot. You don't see yours. You don't feel that you are an authority on your life and that you are in charge of your life. And it. Okay. So can you go back? You said, um, shame. What's, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? Can you break that one down? Um, uh, shame is, so let's say you make a mistake, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And again, this goes back to the um, Renee Brown. She's a shame researcher. So you make a mistake. If you have a healthy sense of self, you say, I made a bad decision. If you have shame issues with shame and you make a mistake, you say, I'm a bad person. Mm. So Mm. is that when someone is very critical of themselves 
And a lot of times people, the, the coded word for someone who has issues with shame is, I'm a perfectionist. Whoo, I'm a perfectionist. Ah, uh-oh. Because there's uh -oh. no such, such thing as doing anything perfectly. But you say, well, I just want it to be good enough. I just want it to be this way. And you know how I said, like, before we started recording, I said my thing for 2019 is progress over perfection. Right. Right. You know, progress is because I was somebody who was like, something has to be perfect before I can move forward. Because in the environment that I grew up in, if I made a mistake, there was always a huge price to pay. So everything had to be right all the time. Was this so, your experience growing up? Yeah, this is my experience with my mother. So some, so things had to be right. You didn't get a lot of chances to get things wrong. And, and I look, and, and again, I look at that with, um, from the side of a single parent, she has, she's working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. She doesn't have a lot of money. She's tired. She's short on patience. When I tell you to do something, I need you do it the first time. Yeah. No the room first time I tell you to do that shit, you better do it and you better do it right because <laughs> I don't have time to come back and correct you. You can't miss the bus. Because if you miss the bus, I'm already at school. I have to leave work to come back, take you to work. I don't have paid leave. So if you make a mistake, I lose money. Mm. When I lose money, I can't pay the light bill. When I can't pay the light bill, the light's off. You understand like that type of pressure? So let's get on to your personal experience because you know, we've spoken about it a little bit before, but I want to know about what your upbringing was like and what it was like growing up in your household. What was it like being you? Um, I grew up, my parents divorced when I was five. And I always say like my, I, I was like, I'm like split down the middle. My mother was super Pentecostal religious. We were at church five, six days a week. Oh, I could not Lord. wear pants. <gasps> I couldn't wear makeup or jewelry. We couldn't listen to secular music. Like, what do you I call knew, that? The um, what do you call those type of Christians? The uh, what do we call those in, in Memphis? Oh, I forget. I forget. Fanatic, but, fanatical yeah. Christian. That's super. Yeah. Yeah. yeah something. Yeah. So uh, super fanatic. That, yeah. So that was that was my mother's household. My father was the opposite. He liked to drink and party and have fun and curse and he just had a much more relaxed environment. Mm -hmm. So I was always kind of seeing both worlds, you know, um, but being the only girl living with my mother, I became like my mother. She was, she, she raised me and my younger brother, my older brother lived with my dad, oh. but it was, she, all, yeah, all she did was work. So she just worked. And, but my mother, you have to, and I always have to bring a context to this to understand because like we're in 2019 and you think, you know, just how times are currently. My mother picked cotton from the time she was five to the time she was 17. Really? So my mother was born in 1946 in rural South Carolina. Um, it wasn't like, I think a lot of people don't understand like, oh, a field picking cotton. You think slavery. No, think we're talking slavery. about the 40s, the 50s, the 60s. You know, so she grew up in a, a, a very utilitarian household where it was about labor. And it was already, we talk about survival parenting, 
that's something that's always how black people have parented their children based it on is survival not how can you how to keep you alive not how can you thrive how can you be happy and you leave a legacy no you just want to not die from dying i don't want you to die i want you to get hung i don't want you to get maimed and raped i just want you to go out and survive this world shit even if you get maimed and raped if you're not dead shut the fuck up don't complain <sighs> you're not okay. dead yeah because mm -hmm. you're going to get traumatized <laughs> mm -hmm. you know you're going to come up against some type of abuse even if it happens before you even leave home okay so it's like what's the best and how can you have it better than us my grandmother was born in 1919 never finished school never learned how to drive i don't know what her level of literacy was so it was mm -hmm. like all five of her daughters had college degrees so you think about okay that success it's like how can how, how is it they don't have to stay with the man and have 14 kids by him can they have something different this we're not talking about the 1800s okay yeah we're talking about one generation away so i grew up with a mother who was raised in that um in that environment okay okay so, so she was very strict mother but, your mom was very strict yes how was it that your older brother went to live with dad was it like the divorce arrangement or did he choose yeah it was this divorce because he was older and he was already in school there my mother moved so i think it was more so he was already established in the school there that's the house he lived in he had lived in his whole life and they probably asked him what he you know what he wanted to do and that was so I, i'm not privy to all the facts of it but i'm thinking it came down to you okay. know to something like that so it was you and your brother in the house mom was mm -hmm. mostly working mom was mostly out how does the toxicity play into it? Because I, at this point, I'm starting to see, you're like, this is survival mentality. So mom is not right. really nurturing you. Number one, she ain't got time. She doesn't have the energy and she doesn't have the skills. Yeah. And, and I will say, you can have a mother who works a lot and who, who has a lot on her plate. That doesn't mean she's going to be toxic. Um, because to that, I think, it, I think it's, it's something else where you know, because I always talk about trauma and unhealed trauma. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you have a toxic mother, you, you couple that un, unhealed trauma and that wounding with sleep deprivation. You understand what I'm saying? With okay. lack of certain parenting skills that are beyond survival parenting. And I think that's how you end up in that, that situation. And I think that, um, I think that's what my mother dealt with is just, the emotional trauma and there isn't i mean we're just now talking about healing now and emotional trauma and our Black generation just just starting yeah. to even say we can go to therapy you know Absolutely. we're just starting to have a conversation about wounding we're just starting to have a vocabulary right. about how you feel new. how things have have affected you something in the past is still still haunting you mm. you know that's not this that that's a new concept so have you had I these conversations with your own mother? Are you able to speak to her about toxicity? How does she feel about the work that you do? Um, I don't have a relationship with my mother right now. Okay. So that's not a that's not like really an option. 
I think okay. when I tried to have different conversations, it isn't, it's not built in her. You know, we evolve as humans. Mm-hmm. Like there are certain things that aren't just, it's, it really is like a language. And if you've never known that language, you've never heard that language. When somebody speaks it to you. It's literally foreign. It is foreign as fuck. <laughs> and so like when I talk about the, the mother wound, it's never to talk shit about a mother. It's never to make her to be out the bad guy and all that type of stuff because right. there's reasoning behind it. My thing is the woman, whoever has that wound, it is now your responsibility to heal it. I always say it like this. I, th- th- there are, cause I don't, I don't call it abusive mothers, even though it is abuse in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. But let's say if somebody consciously abuses someone versus someone who doesn't they, they don't know what they're doing i always like to say like, if you shoot somebody if you shoot somebody on purpose and you shoot somebody by accident like you can love someone but you could be cleaning your gun and you accidentally the gun goes off that person has been shot right mm, yeah you could have someone who intentionally shoots someone i don't my thing is i don't necessarily deal on how you got shot because either way you're bleeding right Okay. So it's so that to me is where I put my focus because I think on a grander scale, it is they have been in so much pain. They have been given such limited resources to do so much with. And what, what, is, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? How do you know? Um, I'm, I imagine there's a lot of guilt with saying, oh, wow, my mother is toxic. And in order for me to begin to thrive from go to go from survival to thriving i have to cut off the relationship with her right now how well, how would you advise a person or what would you tell somebody that's on the brink of that like what signs can they use to kind of recognize when it's time to kind of cut it off for now um for one i would tell them to get help and get support where we have gotten pigeonholed into like we figure everything out by ourselves we do everything alone we have a problem we don't share it with anybody we just come to a conclusion without all the data we need to make a good decision. So like, that's the first thing I would say is like, if you think you have a toxic relationship with your mother, you first need to seek help for yourself. Even before you say, I need to cut her off because really getting a clear understanding of what's going on, what the goal is, what the, what, what the possibilities for the relationship are. And, you know, I think that's what's most important. So I would say first you need to get support, whether a therapist, a counselor, working with someone like me who does that emotional healing work. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, it's a process. It's really, you just have to make a decision. And I think for me, my decision has been my happiness comes first. And understanding what a role of a mother is, what the role of a child is. I think me becoming a mother has helped me a lot because, you know, when I look at my son, I never want to think he owes me his happiness. He should make choices to make me happy. So because of that freedom, I don't think I should live my life in a way or make choices and decisions to make someone else happy because they're my mother. I don't have that guilt. What about the guilt of knowing that? But you have, but you, but you have to reassign and you have to investigate 
when you say the word guilt, because guilt means I did something wrong. You really have to really start to investigate your words mm. and what your belief system is. What is it that you're doing wrong? Okay, your mother wants you to go to college and you want to travel the world and you feel guilty. So you're saying that you're wrong for doing what you want to do. Why would that make you wrong doing what you want to do? Oh, it makes me wrong because I owe my mother something. I, I need to give her back something. Um, I'm wrong because I'm responsible for my mother's happiness. Then you have to investigate that. Am I responsible for my mother's happiness? Why am, am I, I responsible, responsible for, her for happiness? my mother's happiness? What age is too young for a, a child to ask themselves that? Or what age is too young to begin to teach a child that? My, my child is 11. I tell him that now. You're you a healed mother, though. You know. Yeah, but I'm saying, but I mean, that's when you should tell him. But there should never be a time where you're raising your child that the decisions they make are because they make you happy oh and i think a parent, and i think mm. a parent does that by and i think th this happens without a thought when you, the, the thing your child wants most from you is your love and your acceptance right mm -hmm. yeah so when a child does something that the parent doesn't like the first thing a parent does even before they take away their games their phone um and their privileges is they become angry with them. They mm -hmm. reject them. You did something I didn't like. So I'm now going to treat you differently. I'm going to, it happened so quickly. And that is a form of reject. emotional manipulation. It absolutely is emotional manipulation. But that's what, and it happened so quickly and a child learns it that quickly. When I do this, my mother is unhappy with me. And it's, it's, it's especially dangerous with when a mother is unhappy with her child because love and life are the same things to a child for my mother to love me means she takes care of me which means i'm alive if my mother doesn't like me then that means she may not take care of me and ergo how do Ooh. i survive without my mother's mm. love so my do you understand might be taken away if i disappoint my mother oh that's deep jennifer oh my god girl you better you Yo, if I had dollars, I'd throw it at the camera. <laughs> right Girl! Love and life synonymous. With, yes. Dangerously so synonymous. That is, so when you start to let a child know that regardless of your decisions, I love you. Regardless of your mistakes. Is, I, I did not like what you did. That doesn't mean I don't like you. And children have a very keen sense of, that's why their whole thing is, this is my best friend. Oh, we're friends. Oh, we're not friends anymore. That is so important to them early on. And even I've heard my son say, like, he said to me once, and he may have been maybe in the second grade. Mm -hmm. He said, it feels like you don't like me. It broke me. It, it broke me completely down because I knew what that felt like. Because growing up, I felt like my mother didn't like me. And that's a very fearful place to live with someone every day and to depend on someone. And you feel like they don't like you. You feel very alone. And all you want is for them to like you. And what are you willing to do? You're willing to do anything. You're willing to do anything to make them like you. So imagine you're raised like that. So then when you go out in your life, guess what you're willing to do to make people like you? Anything. 
So how does that, and I know in one part of the, the excerpt that I read from you, how does that translate into, and this is a big ass duh, but you're doing anything for people to like you as a woman. What does that look like with forming relationships with the opposite sex? Well, I mean, I had talked about this in another post that um, a lot of times when women are in, um, you know, unhealthy relationships with men, they always say, oh, well, she didn't have no father in her life. That's the reason why. Well, she had a, you know, a deadbeat dad. A lot of times women are not marrying their fathers. They're marrying their mothers because Ooh. their mother is their, they like to say, oh, well, that's the first, you know, the father is the first man she loved. Well, her mother is the first person she loved. So first. if you don't know, like the things I said before, if you don't know how to set good boundaries, if you're a people pleaser, if um, you put other people's needs before your own, if you don't value yourself, if you don't think that you're worthy of love, care, and safety, what kind of men do you think you're going to pick? Ooh. You're going to pick men who allow you to show up in that way because that's how, that's what you're used to. You meet a good man who's good to you, you like, ooh, because it's foreign. Your comfort is in what you know. Your comfort is in chaos then, huh? Absolutely. And that's where, um, what they call um, developmental trauma. Uh -huh. When you grow up with this chronic dis-ease, emotional dis-ease in your house, you grow up with a sense of chaos and that chaos is your norm. This is a lot. Now, you are a biological mother because, you know, we deal with a lot of co-parents, step-parents, um, families that are being that are raising children in separate households what's your what's home life like um my home life i think is like a hybrid because there are a lot of things that my mother taught me that i really appreciate because she was extremely efficient she understood like these are the things that have to get done and our house there wasn't it was very organized okay because that's just that was just the way it had i mean I don't know how she got to be that way. So our house is like a hybrid of extremely thorough. Okay, my son is 11. He knows how to cook. He takes out the trash. He washes dishes. He cleaned the bathrooms this past weekend. Um, when we get off this call, he's going to go. He doesn't know what yet to pick up all his clothes <laughs> off the floor. I got him a dog for his birthday last, oh! uh, last year. So the dog needs to go outside. I know I have to remind. So there's like so he, this he, there's structure. Of, I am structured, right. But then at the same time, we'll probably at 7 30, 8 o'clock, we'll climb in my bed and we'll watch a movie. And the movie probably gonna have cursing in it. It might even have some nudity. So you, you know have one son, one child. <laughs> I have one child. What is relationship like with uh dad? It doesn't exist. Why not? Um we did not have a long relationship. Okay. So we we have we've had more time apart than we had together. Gotcha. And he he opted out of the process. Opted out and of co-parenting or parenting yeah, altogether. Parenting altogether. <gasps> yeah, parenting altogether. So, so that was the decision. And I think because I grew up with a single mother, I was very naive. I was like, Mama did it, but I didn't realize. I my mother was a single parent, but I still had a father. He just wasn't at my house. Yeah. You know, like he still was very instrumental in my life, especially like from birth to like 10 or 11 years old. You okay. know what I'm saying? So I didn't really understand. And I say that to this day, like 
I did not. I didn't get it because again, you didn't know what it I'm was going to be like. I'm a strong black woman. I can do anything. We'll be yeah. fine. We'll get it together. It'll be. I'm like, oh my god. So when you got that introduction into single motherhood, what was the first big? Oh my god! I bit off more than I can chew moment. I know there was probably a lot of them. I, I don't. I don't know. I think because growing up, I was so utilitarian. Like when I grew up. I was the cleaner. I was the cook. I had a job since I was 14. So when I had my son, it was like a, it was like a, like a, just a switch. They clicked and yeah. I just went into that mode. Okay. I didn't even, for so long, I didn't even think about it. You know, I would get tired sometimes and be like, I would be in my car crying. I remember this when he was like a year old. I was so tired and it was like, get it out. And now let's get back to it. Like, this is what it is. Get this you know cry I mean? out. Let me see. You got 15 minutes to cry, honey. Now let's go get it together and get now back to mommy. Right. Mm. Yeah. So who helps you? Because you're so good at what you do. You have clients, you. you write books, you speak Thank all you. over the world. Who helps Jennifer? And I hate when people ask me that question. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> um, I know. I mean, who helps me? Jesus. Okay. Yeah. No, and I do, I do, right, and I do have a, you know, I have learned, a, you know, a lot of things I did by myself because I didn't know how to ask for help. Yeah. And I learned that from my mother. And it was only through learning to ask for help and putting myself in a position to get help did, were angels able to show up in my life. Yeah. So I've had some serious, serious angels come in my life. Um, hey, listen, we're here. Have, I get it. I know exactly. Yeah. Some I know what you're talking about. I, yeah, some just true sisters that have come into my life that that's I mean, you can't even logically say it or you understand how like what did you do that? And I feel like I attract good people. You yes. know what I'm saying? And I, you know, my things from having my son is wanting him to always be around people who loved him. <clears throat> so that's always been this thing of like who's somebody that who are the who are people who would really love him how I love him, and from there that's how I have you know found the support system I have. Got it. When you when I think of the child that is being raised in this environment, and let's just say dad is in another household, how is dad supposed to combat the effects of this toxicity in the other household? Because I'm sure he might know. What can he say to save this child? What can father do? Listen, I'm now, and I'm 44. I'm just now realizing what my father had to deal with. And my father was not perfect. He had his issues. But I, I don't know because I look back and I say, what, what could he, you know, what could he have done differently? I mean, I did go live with him, but it was, it was later, but it's like, she's a girl. You, you went to live with him. Um, I went to live with him in the sixth grade. Oh, and I lived so with him until I was in the ninth grade. Yeah. Oh, so, so you ended up yeah, going so, back to mom's. Yeah, yeah. I would go back. Like I said, he wasn't perfect either. Yeah. <laughs> so he you was, know. was he the better, more balanced parent of the two? Um, I think when I was younger, yes. When I was older, they both, neither one, they, they both need to, I should have just got Everybody, emancipated. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> like really got emancipated? <laughs> I should have, yeah, I, I'm like, I, I probably could have, yeah, I could have left at 14, 15 and done this right here. What would they, yeah. Wow. I'm not trying to be funny. They're just, because I'm, I have a, like this personality, this is how I've always been. Yeah. 
you know, okay. and I've always like the stuff that I know, some of this shit is just things that I've always, it's just been me. Um, I think by the, when I got to be a teenager, my, my relationship with both my parents, it just deteriorated because they were both very strict. They both were very Southern. They were both extremely traditional and it was a very much do, <clears throat> do as I say, not as I do. And I had very big dreams for my life and I wasn't conventional. Like I had blonde hair. I had purple hair. Like I'm in the, I'm from North Carolina. I'm, I was grew up on a farm. What? From the country, country. So back so, then you were the girl with the colorful hair. I was hair. the crazy girl with the pants oh. that were painted. Like they couldn't. So you just were always different. You just. Yeah. Different. And they did just, it, they just could not grasp that like my mother her on her end was you know you going to hell because you, you uh-huh know. yeah and my father is like he didn't know what to do he didn't know what to do was and there a like, stepmother present? are you on drugs no neither of my parents ever remarried what? neither of them ever and yes neither of them ever remarried so no significant other like, no, no long term wow Mm-mm. no they stayed single child after they were together they were like we just gonna chill <laughs> <laughs> so when you i would go going back to something that you mentioned you said you're just now kind of grasping what your dad had to deal with do you mean as far as trying to co-parent with your mom or trying to raise I, yeah and i think his his perspective on her her mentality like he would talk about it he would talk about how she treated me differently and i think um it was hard because that's who i love you know, so yeah. it was, I didn't, I, I'm like, and, but, and she, but I had the type of parents and that's why, like, I think when I talked to you before, you know, and even with my son now, I had parents that talk shit about each other. Mm. I had, I, I was that, I had those parents to where in both ears, they were talking trash about each other. What did that do? What does that do that to was, your mind? It's terrible. It's terrible. It's, it is, I think that was, if they could have just not done that, it would have been easier because how my mother talked about my father made me, you know, I was team mom. So I believed everything she said. And then to get older and it's like, Oh man, I missed out on opportunities for him to be my father because I believed everything she said about him. Oh. And so at that point it was kind of just too late. So yeah, my father is, he's no longer here. Oh, oh my God. I'm yeah. sorry. So I'm to so even sorry. come back, you know, it's like, wow. Do you, you have a I level mean? of resent? Um, is there a feeling of you stole my relationship with my dad? I'm no, not- I don't feel that way. Cause I mean, this, this like, this is like, you know, Naja, I'm always like discovering new depths of shit in my mind and like yeah. coming to realization. Cause my, my healing is always going deeper. Yeah. Um, so I don't feel resentment because if I feel a resentment for everything I didn't get in this life, I'd be mad at everybody. Everything, all day, every day. Mm-hmm. So, but, but there were things that I did have, you know what I mean? So it's just like, for me, me understanding them as parents and their relationship and how they related to me, I just use that in my own parenting. That's really the biggest thing is like, I have a do-over because I have a do-over with my own child. Yes. You so I can't, you don't need him focusing on that. Like, you oh, know, so no. wait, so what, what do we, what would we tell a father that's listening to this that can, everything that you're saying about your mother and your own childhood, he's like, oh my God, that's my child's mother. That's my ex-wife. <sighs> what does he need to do? And I know that's... I- Damn, yeah, it's so much because it's not going to be a perfect situation. The first thing I would say is do not talk bad about her. 
Okay. Whatever you have to do, do not talk bad about your your child's mother to your daughter. I don't care how true it is. Just don't do it. Um, find support. You know, if you think that your daughter would be better off living with you, um, then do that. And if that means you have to make life changes, then that's what you have to do. It's like, because you can't, it's very easy to say, well, I shouldn't have to do this. You know, it's not my fault. It's her fault. She's doing this. So why do I have to make all these concessions? It doesn't matter because really it's not about her. It's not about you. It's about the child. And Mm -hmm. it, your job is to do whatever is in your power to let that child know that they are loved, valued, and special. You can't undo what the mother does. You can't shape that relationship because from an energetic space, every child chooses their parents. My child chose his father. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the benefit that will be to him in his life, how he will use that struggle in his life for more later on. So you can't try to erase it or undo it. It is what it is. Your child is going to go through hardship. Your child is going to go through a broken heart. Like this is real, like in, you got to, it's real life, mm-hmm. you know? So you just have to do the best you can to look further down the road on that, you know? And, you know, it's, what are you willing to do? You know, so, so it's really Don't that. talk bad about mom, of course. Like do not, do not right. talk bad about mother because mom is literally half of your child's DNA. Half of your, absolutely. So yeah. you letting them know, hey, I hate your mama. You saying, well, you do kind of hate part of me because. You, you can't do it. I still, do it. Like, I still love her. I know she's a little off, but I still love her. Yeah. And a lot of children, they still may not think the parent is doing anything wrong. You know, c- kids are so resilient with their love that they don't even, they might see, you know, a grown up might see the parent is wrong, but the child is like, my mama loved me. I don't know what you're talking about. So you really don't want to go down that road because then the child then becomes, they defend that parent. Oh, Okay. You see what I'm saying? So even egregious, nasty, bad behavior, um, it's best just to not say anything. I mean, this is the thing. I think if your child comes to you and they are cognizant of what's going on and they're in pain about it, then you do need to have that conversation with them. But it's like, either you're going to tell them, I'm going to fix it, or you're going to try and help them manage a bad situation, which, which... from the child's perspective, it still feels like shit because it's like at the end of the day, I'm in this by myself. Now they on the other end of the phone telling me it's going to be okay. But they can't come get me out of this. You can't come rescue me, dad. You like, unless you're going to come get me. It's fucked up. Period. And it's going to stay fucked up. And you can't think, and it's going to, let me tell you, if you want to know if it's going to affect her the rest of her life. Yes. If you think, oh, well, we're just going to let it play out and see. Well, she's 18. Don't let that shit play the fuck out. <sighs> you can avoid it because it's going to affect her entire life. It's not going to be like, oh, it's the past. It's over. Oh, you're 18 now. You can move out. It's done. No, her whole life has been shaped. She's clay. And she's been shaped by divisiveness, by cruelty, by um, neglect, by pain. That's what she's been shaped by. Or and he, I would say, you know, either right. you know, male or female child. I mean, it is what it is. There's not. I think, I think parents oftentimes don't look at children as fully formed human beings. 
they, they have objectified the child and they see the child as like a fantasy object in their mind and they handle it as such. Not a real... But not understanding. This right. is a fully formed human being. All the feelings you as an adult feel when somebody does you wrong, that child feels it times 10 because they're powerless to do anything about it. Completely helpless. Yeah. How would you say, and uh, from your brother's perspective or whatever he shared with you that you can speak on, you're a woman and you're speaking on how this affected you. Does it affect the boy child in the same ways? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because the <laughs> mother is still the first person you love. Mm -hmm. She's still your first love. So if you don't feel loved by a mother, if you don't feel love, you think, well, how is anybody else going to love me? It, yeah, it totally affects. Yes. Yes. Yeah. In Absolutely. every way, in every way. So just like you said, a girl might marry her mother. I mean, more than likely this man is going to marry his mother too. Absolutely. So in real life. And yes. be a reincarnation and redoing yeah. the situation. Whew. Let's get on step parents. Now I know your dad never remarried. Your mother never remarried, but many people in the blended in black community, um, they are people that are, you know, and maybe let's just say, situations like this here we're talking about uh, a divorce that's happened for whatever reason the family is now divided and here comes the step parent in the picture and the step parent notices the toxicity they, they, they themselves are coming along with their own traumas is it possible for them to share to, to form a healthy bond with the child that has a mother that is inherently toxic yeah it's possible um, is, it is it likely, you know? It really depends on when that parent comes into that child's life. Are they young? Are they older? You know, how does, how does that, you know, does that daughter, is she still in stark defense of her mother where she's not letting anyone else in? Mm -hmm. Or is she been longing for love and she's open and receptive to it? Like there's no one way. It's like, it's, it, it, there, it, it's, a, it's like a custom design. Like, you know, how would you have age? been? So what about you thinking about back to when your parents split when you were five, mm -hmm. if dad had introduced another woman and knowing what you know now, mom may not have been receptive to that other person coming in as a mother figure or whatever she was going to call herself. <sighs> Jennifer, Jennifer, and, and the five-year-old Jennifer. Yeah. How would Jennifer have been let me tell you about five-year-old jennifer five-year-old <laughs> jennifer loved to be loved oh i loved being loved on i loved women because that's all i wanted to be when i grew up was a woman i just yes. wanted to have red lipstick and high <laughs> heels and i just yes. wanted to be, and my mother was so much not like that and my mother was not someone who was very emotional and you know lovey-dovey and all yeah. of that type of stuff but i loved that so I think if my father would have married a woman and she was loving to, now, cause this is the thing now, a man can marry a woman for his own good, but he may not marry her for the relationship with the children. So he might, you know, it might be like, oh, well, she's a great wife, but she may not be mother material. You know right. what I mean? If he, had, you know, so, but if he was to have married someone who, was mother material and wanted to be that oh, I'm sure I would have latched on to that I can't imagine a child who wouldn't latch on to that unless they were not given the opportunity um 
I would I would like to have hoped that I would have. Yeah. It's interesting to think about if my mother would have like put the kibosh down on that. If she would have allowed know, that or Yeah, and tried to keep, you know what I'm saying, keep that away. Or if my father would have been like, We have I have more help now, you can come live with me. Like there's just so many different, you know scenarios of of how that could play out i guess we can okay i'll use uh mine for example um high conflict situation and you and i have spoken in confidence about you know um my own scenario and so connecting like with my husband has three children and so connecting with the younger ones has been very easy because you like you Mm -hmm. said little babies they like being loved on um but there's an older one who has gone through it She's seen way more than what was fair. She's heard some things that her young ears never should have heard. Um, She knows some things about her parents' experiences that I feel a child should never know. And so it's difficult. And then she's also been told, you know, this person is this, this, and that. I cannot say those things were true because they were outright lies. However, coming from your own mother, you're going to believe it because mama said And so, you know, when the child, when, when the child comes around, I can tell she's like, you're not, you're not what I heard, but let me just stay over here and keep the distance because I don't want to disappoint my mm-hmm. mother. I don't want, yeah. I don't want to hurt loyalty. her. Right. It's a loyalty bind and it's a serious, serious thing. I mean, it's a, a sad thing. And so, you know, what would you, what advice would you give me? Let's just say that what advice would you give me as far as connecting with a child that has been uh, poured, you know, she's had all this crap poured into her and into her young mind. I mean, I think number one is just the consistency. It's like, because showing up the same way genuinely and you just have to let it play out because as soon as that consistency fades away and you act differently, it's like, see what my mama said was right. It's, and, it's, and it's hard because it's like, you have to be perfect in those eyes you always have to show up you can't ever be upset you can't chastise you know but when i say but my thing is consistency does not mean you show up as this all the time it's just you keep it 100 yeah period yeah you know what i'm saying and you show up like if you know if this was the rule you broke the rule i'm going you know you have to be accountable you're consistent with that you know you're Mm -hmm. not kissing her ass and it's I don't think that's a way you show somebody you love them by kissing their ass. You show them love. You show them care. You treat them with respect and you don't know what's going to happen. You just don't know. It may not come around until they're 16. It might not come around until they're 25. Right. And I think we want things to be a certain way. And we think we have a control. This is that thing with being an adult that I look back on my life and things that I get, didn't get the opportunity to experience and will never get the opportunity to experience. My son Mm -hmm. will never get the experience of growing up from a baby with having a father in his life. He'll never have that. You just have to eat it. You just you gotta have to eat accept it. it. There's some things you just, you yeah. gotta eat it, man. You gotta eat that's it. All- that's, that's one of my favorite sayings because people don't really understand it. It's like, look, sis, you gotta eat that up, uh, digest it, and then make something of it. That's all you can do. You because can. other than that, you think that if you do something, you should be able to control an environment. Right. And you can't control anything. You, if, even if that was your birth child, you still can't control the situation. They still right. might grow up and don't like you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, Jennifer, Jennifer, <laughs> my girl, my friend, and my sister.
sister. I love the star. You know I love you. Um, I love this you is too. Jennifer Arnese. You can visit her website. It's jenniferarnese.com. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And look, this is what I have right here, y'all. Boom. This is Jennifer's book. It's called F That Cape. I'm not going to say the F word, Jennifer. You can totally say it, though. This is her book, y'all. For those of you that are watching, I'm holding up a copy of it. But for those of you that are not watching and you're listening to this, I'm going to share every single link. If you click on the picture of Jennifer, or if you go to blendedandblack.com slash podcast, you'll find everything that you should. I love this book. Her book is called F That Cape, The Grown Woman's Unapologetic Guide to Putting Herself First. And us as women mothers sisters friends this is something that we all need an extra dose of so all right everybody thank you so much for joining us today remember all the news you share and you never know who's going to be talking to you next time i know i'm crazy i know i'm crazy